Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends. It's the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm Joe Pavlansky. We have Eddie Guevara over there. We have Chuck and Sherry Caputo over there. Woo-hoo! everyone. All righty, all righty. A lot of stuff to, to talk about tonight. And um, we, you know, we didn't even discuss before this what we're going to talk about. So this may be a hodgepodge of stuff. And you never know what's going to, <laughs> to happen on this podcast. But first off, I do want to mention on my moviemonsters.com, Castle of Frankenstein number 37 is available to order so make sure you go on there and order it it's the lost time machine issue beautiful cover by uh scott jackson and uh, let's see what's the uh, synopsis on this so it says in-depth coverage of karloff and lugosi's the invisible ray and the hundredth anniversary of lon cheney's the hunchback of notre dame plus zombies horrors. oh yeah zam's wow. his- York Bank Heist, The Moon Also Rises, Classic Movie Blunders, Regular Columns, Baron Von Neck's Mad Movie Reviews, <laughs> Forgotten Fantasy, Tales of Terror, mm. Mike Goes to the Movies, and much, much more. Wow. Also, who will we feature as our Slaymate of the Month? Uh. <laughs> so make sure you check it out. 96 Perfect Bound Pulp pages all in black and white like you used to remember from the 60s and all that all that the good time the monster kid time when stuff was really good well guess what the people at scary monsters brought it back for you nice make, make sure you check it out also of course as we have talked about scary monsters issue number 130 is currently available you could get it shipped from the website or at your local uh, bookstore they should have it and if they don't make sure you Get your torches, your picks, pickaxe. Get a huge mob of people and demand <laughs> that they go. carry scary monsters in there. All right. So that's what we got uh, for that. Let's see what's going on. I tell you what, I have been uh, digging deeper into the Twilight Zone episodes. Ooh, I, yeah. I didn't get to watch as many as I, I hoped for this week, but I did. Uh, let's see, how many did I get? One. I'm looking at one, two three four of them this five this week nice um so there's a few i do definitely want to talk about because i know chuck's a huge uh oh yeah Twilight Zone fan i'm sure eddie is as well so there's a few episodes in there i want to talk about and um they it well you know how the stories go with the twilight zone that you know there's really a deep meaning to them and then there's usually a twist at the end yes well some of these stories really made me think and i that want to touch upon and we'll do that in a few now but i really want to talk to chuck and sherry and see what's new with you guys because i know the weather's getting nicer yeah. and uh, you guys are probably out walking through all kinds of graveyards and doing magic shows for the dead and all that so <laughs> yeah yeah i guess i'm doing magic shows for people that aren't responding well i guess you can say they're dead <laughs> but i do have a t- i do have a tell of terror about three days ago i did a show in a assisted living place like a mm. like, some, like a nursing home and they made me wear a mask that, during the show during the show that was that was really rough wow i mean oh, I had a, yeah i had yeah. a hard time i had a rough time but i you know what on with the show i Especially with a beard and everything, I was so itchy and out of, <laughs> and out of breath. It was just oh, crazy, that's man. A shame. But yeah, that was only twice that I had to do uh, a a show in the it last. It was three. probably that same. Place. I think it was the same place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh wow. But you know what? What are you gonna do? This yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know what? I'm actually turning down shows the month of May, Sherry. Hunt. Wow. Absolutely. I said, we have to have time to go golfing yeah. or to do some fun <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's nice to work and everything, even though we have a fun time doing that as well. But, uh, yeah, we need a little bit of uh, downtime, right, sweetie? Yeah, there's been shows coming in all over the place. I'm, I'm yeah, actually, it's great, I'm though. I'm actually turning <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, keeping keeping very busy. We're walking and everything, and uh, 
we did watch an old classic a while not too long ago we watched psycho that was a really oh nice yeah that was a good one we actually were over our son's house yeah he's gonna he's only 20 he said he's 27 i don't think he ever saw it he said no he never so, saw it. Yeah, oh wow he, yeah so he enjoyed it now sherry i have to ask this and, and you know you're you could tell us because we're, we're all you're all amongst friends and all, all that and i know chuck won't be that mad but how bad do you beat him at golf oh you know what uh, <laughs> it's kind of like fun we we just kind of you know do the scramble is it called honey yeah scramble yeah and a cup i gotta tell you a couple times him and my son had to go off my ball yeah because they're sliced over to the right or to the left <laughs> mine went right down the center yeah, i was so happy yeah, she, she does it pretty just good. a couple times but so basically uh, what you're trying to humbly tell us is that you're the best out there and <laughs> no. they all follow you that's what you're trying to tell us no, that's what no. i'm getting out of it oh, are you? Well, I, I could no. you know what i could drive the they ball can drive pretty far, far but they yeah. slice they slice to the right does, yeah. does does scrambling mean that you got to scramble the uh <laughs> yeah yeah even it out i tell you what the last time i went golfing was probably 1996 wow the first time i went golfing and the last time and i brought with me i i don't know tw 10 15 20 balls maybe <laughs> and i i kept slicing they were going left going right uh -huh. and I don't know. Maybe after like the third or fourth hole, I said, "That's it. I'm done. I'll just drive the golf cart around." Oh. That's time I golf. Now, I, now I'll I'll go putt putt. I'll do mini golf. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. But real, we, we like life golfing now. No, it's a very frustrating game. There's no doubt we about have it. Fun, yeah. It's, you know what? I don't let it, let it get to me. It's. I have fun jumping out of the cart and running after the ball. Oh, you I should get see my her. Steps on it. Really? <laughs> my steps in. Yeah. yeah she gets Ten thousand steps a day. No, so I don't know. Like, I what's, that, what's that thing you wear on your, in your Fitbit? She wears a Fitbit. Yeah. Oh wow. Except you know, the last time we went la golfing. The Go last ahead. time. No, I was gonna say the last time I played golf, I was playing in a vending machine when uh, my daughter was born thirty-six years ago. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh was, yeah, I was able to slice it. In fact, I got it really much into the. Had a little thing <laughs> yeah. golfing. I, I would go every day there to play golf. Oh, <laughs> but I, I never had a club in my hand. I, I tell you what's big now I see is those uh uh they're like it, indoor driving ranges and it's yes. it's really just like a small room yeah. Yeah, with a yes. screen mm -hmm. and you just drive into the screen and it tells yeah. you we did that once, Joe. I think they call it a, a simulation. Yeah, it's a simulation, and it, we did that. It was because it was winter. One hour went so fast. The only thing, though, wow. is it took. I was tired because I had to keep catching up to his ball. He would drive it out, and then I would have to keep hitting <laughs> and hitting and hitting my ball. And I finally got to his. Yeah. It was not like we do out on the real field, yeah, <laughs> real yeah. putt putt place. Yeah, yeah. But the last time we went, the first time we took our son, it was like a fiasco. Yeah, well. I, <laughs> he, I was in his cart, my son's cart, Nick, and we're driving around, and we get to the next hole, and I look for my my clubs and they're not in the back of the <laughs> of the golf cart and i'm like chuck did you take them off because why would i touch your club so there we go i go running back and there it is they're laying there i didn't <laughs> strap them in properly to the back thing didn't even know they oh. fell off the cart two elderly gentlemen were sitting up there waiting um for us they were kindly patient i think it was more like they were shaking their heads at us <laughs> It was a real fun time, though. Well, yeah. we have a uh, for our work. What is it next? Not this weekend, but the following weekend, we're doing a a golf outing. Nice. To raise money for our union, and they asked me. They said, "Well, do you want to golf in it?" I said, "Oh no, 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 no. Oh no, no." And they said, "Well, we have all these different, you know, jobs. You know, what do you, you know, is there anything that you want to do?" I'm like, I don't know. Let me think about it. So <laughs> my my buddy in town who owns a, a cigar shop, Cigar Vibes, yeah, uh -huh. uh, I've known him since you know we were young. He grew up in the same neighborhood, and uh, he told me that he's setting up a stand there. And I said, Oh, I said that's perfect. I oh, said that's perfect. I said I could smoke cigars with you. I said I have no, <laughs> I said I have no job there really. I said I don't know what to do. I said I'll get us a cart and we'll go to the different holes and sell cigars to people there you go. Oh, and, and hang out. I said, you know, we'll, we'll just drive around and smoke cigars and sell. 
Oh, that's a great so I told them at work. Go. I said, why? I found my job. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a fantastic. You got to let us know how that goes. Yeah, that's oh, I'll definitely have pictures. And you know what? And um, just real quick before we move on here, speaking of cigars, is I want to give a shout out to uh, Eddie's brother, Joe, who uh -huh. sent me a uh, yeah. really cool, unexpected uh, care package the other day. And it had some really cool items in it. And, you know, I, you guys out there could probably think of what my favorite is in it. But, you know, you guys will have your own. But there's, I tell you what, some, uh, there's a vintage uh, uh, Magic Ink book catalog. Yeah. Um, a little big book of Houdini's Magic. Yeah. That's yeah. This, uh, this dollar, it's a dollar coin. And it's an actual dollar coin. But it has, uh, one side has, uh, um, it's like an illustration of Houdini on it. And then he sent me two 1943 wheat pennies, which are real, really cool. I always love, I don't know how he knows about it. I always love, you know, old coins like that. And then he sent me a pack of uh, five cigars. Yeah. Really cool. So I want to just give a, give him a thank you. And I do have the picture up at the, uh, the forum on house of the unusual. So people could check it out what he said. Yeah. And, uh, hey, hey, I just wanted to thank him too. He sent the exact same thing to, to me and I think to Eddie as well. I tell you what, Joseph, thank you so much. He is a good he's a good yeah, man. Definitely he's thank a good you. Hopefully he's out there listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, he's um, a blessing. Goodness. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I uh I got the same package too. Did you? <laughs> I, I was <laughs> and uh <clears throat> it was kind of funny though, but uh I was gonna mention since you guys were telling about golf. The last time I did hold the club in my hand was uh, trying to hold it uh, away from my wife from hitting me over the head. <laughs> when I you got bring one more thing in this house, Edward. Yeah. yeah. Actually, when that one more thing in. Hey, when, that idea. Yeah, when, that when that package came in the mail, she's oh. like, "I'm going to call your brother. We got to oh. stop this." <laughs> oh, you're obsessed. You're obsessed. I, I love that Houdini book, though. That Houdini book is yeah, really that's real cool. I wonder really yeah, what, what year is that? Is that, no, 1927. The uh, the mat the Magic Ink book catalog. Oh no, no, no. That's, no, no, that's 1940s, I think. But the okay. other one is 19. Uh, the other one itself is 1927. The little right. one. Yeah, and that's okay. like a year. That's a year after Houdini died. I think he died in 26, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. Wow. So I, I tell you what, that uh, that Houdini coin was really cool too. I, I like that. That Houdini coin is worth, a, I think, a pretty good buck. I'm surprised uh, how he got them. I don't know where he got them, but uh, huh. yeah, the Houdini coin is uh, is, is he has secret black market uh, Connect connections. I'm telling you, he got some. He got dealing some in pop culture collectibles. <laughs> you, you know what it is? There, there's some guy in Europe. I don't know how he, but the thing is that he was he, he has an original printing of Robert Houdin's books. Like original in French, oh and he's got the unmasking of Robert Houdini, the first one signed by Houdini, and he's got a couple. I didn't know he had this, and then when I got here, he's like, "You never asked me." I go, "Why wouldn't you show me that?" <laughs> he got him. Uh, I asked him if he could send them to me um, to do like an unboxing type of thing, whatever. But I'm, I'm actually because I also want to see them. But he's got about I think it was four books. And they're all original. He also has one by Houdini original called the Handcuff King. Oh yeah, from yeah. it's a first printing from 1908 or 1910. Wow, or something. wow. But, but yeah, uh, that was definitely a cool, cool package. Hey, and um, let me tell you, the package. I was so excited yesterday. I went to my storage at 2 p 2 p.m. and my wife picked me up at 1:45 a.m. And I thought I drained myself out because I didn't even, in that time, didn't go to the bathroom, didn't eat, didn't do anything, drink water or nothing. <laughs> and the funny thing about it, that this morning after, I'm kind of glad I did because the storage facility say, hey, Eddie, we gotta, we're running a special on 10 by 15s. Uh -oh. One, I have, you know, three 10 by 10s and, and one 15 by 15. So he goes. I could, you know, we're running the prices that a 10 by 15 is is the same price as a 10 by 10 for this month. So he gave me one with a couple of free days and a free month on it. And I have, of course, until the end of the weekend, I have to do it tomorrow, I guess. I go to Chiller on Friday and I'm getting ready for Chiller. But I'm going to go and move everything from the two 10 by 10s into the 10 by 15. Oh, nice. You know, maybe take a hammer and chisel it in there to make sure it fits. 
and give up two of them. So that's a saving of 450 a month. Oh, that's, that, I, that's a good yeah. move. That's a good move, Eddie. The only other move is Joker let me put everything in his house and then we can... <laughs> Yeah, and my, my wife will be chasing me around with golf clubs then because yeah. I'm already at... Yeah, you'll be like me. You'll have one in your hand all the time, just holding it. I'll be need a shield. That's what I need to to block all the blows from the the golf club, man. How many lumps do you want, honey? Those are dangerous too. Yeah. How how many lumps do you want? Yeah. (laughs) I swear it's all Eddie's fault. It's Eddie's fault. (laughs) Well, don't worry. I'm gonna go see Eddie after I finish with you. Oh, there my. you go. Oh. Anything, you know, but other than that, Joe, you were watching, you were saying you were watching the, um, and I'm in, you know, the Twilight Zone. And I'm going to tell yeah. you, the other day I, I actually watched the one. Actually, you know, I'm sorry, it wasn't the Twilight Zone. I, I, I'm going crazy. It was the Outer Limits. Remember the one where um, everybody is like, they're, they're doctors and nurses. They got their face covered. And then at the end, it's a face of a pig on, on the one girl. So. <laughs> Twilight Zone. Oh, that's that's the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah, that, is the, that is the Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw that episode. It was I didn't see it in the beginning. It was like a couple of minutes into it. Big doctors. Yeah, it's it's called uh, uh, Beauty is Beauty in, is in the eyes of the uh, in the eye of the beholder. Or yeah, yeah, something like that. It was so, uh, that's a really that's a really good one. That's yeah, good it is. One. What's her name? Is uh, what's Beverly Hillbillies? Yeah, Donna, Donna, Donna Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie May. Is a girl that played in it, right? Yes. Yeah. They clamp it, yep. You know who's gonna be uh talking about that? My my friend actually has a, a, a movie poster of the Terminator, and it's uh by 40 by 860, it's huge, and it has in one side the robot, or the other side, it's a big, huge face, and one side is Arnold, the other side is the robot. And then what it able to get a few years ago, everybody signed that poster except for Arnold. Huh. And, um, you know, it's 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 kind of cool, and and we were gonna bring it because I mean the kid is there, but I I said to Jim, Jim, you know, if you already got, I know the kid wasn't in that Terminator, uh, but he's gonna be there, so let him sign it anyway. It's a it's an extra. Yeah, absolutely. And and now the other hope is, uh, Joe, when are you flying to California? California. What? Yeah. So I could give you the post and you can get a thing of Arnold. <laughs> You'll never catch me flying or going to California. <laughs> me neither. Either one. Either. But hey, this this um I want to talk about the Twilight Zone for a little bit because there's a few episodes I want to discuss and get your guys' uh, take on them because I'm sure you guys have seen them. And actually, these were a few that I, I hadn't seen before. You know, I, I talked in the past that I've spread, you know, I've watched Twilight Zone mm-hmm. God for 30 some years now but usually caught it on tv and you know if you catch them on tv it's usually you know the, the same ones over and over right and some of the lesser known ones get kind of pushed to the side which you know some of them i i could see okay you know some of them aren't really that good uh compared to some of the really good twilight zone i mean when twilight zone's good they're good and when twilight zone's bad they're still good. You know what I mean? Right. There's nothing that's really bad about, but there's some that are a little lackluster, but they do make you think. And, um, <laughs> which wasn't really, I don't really want to say it wasn't that good, but it wasn't that bad, but it was one that really kind of made you think about our humanity. And it was called the lonely. Oh yeah. You know, it was, it was season one, episode seven. You remember this one, Chuck? Absolutely. That was a good one, yeah. What so I'm going to give the, uh, the opening narration and then give my kind of take on it, and then I want to hear hear your guys' take. So Rod Serling's original open narration for The Lonely, which originally aired November 13th, 1959 on CBS. So his narration starts, Witness, if you will, a dungeon made out of mountains, salt flats, Sand that stretch and sand that stretches to infinity. The dungeon the dungeon has an inmate, James A. Corey, and this is his residence, a metal shack. An old touring car that squats in the sun and goes nowhere, for there is nowhere to go. For the record, let it be known that James A. Corey is a convicted criminal placed in solitary confinement. Confinement in this case stretches as far as the eye can see because this particular dungeon is on an asteroid 9 million miles from the Earth. 
Now witness, if you will, a man's mind and body shriveling in the sun, a man dying of loneliness. So the premise of this is that, you know, as Rod Serling said, is that, you know, he's uh, he, he was convicted and he was convicted for murder and he was sentenced to 50 years solitary confinement on this asteroid. So every couple months there there's a um, Earth sends a, a few guys there to drop off some supplies. Well, this time they they brought him this special crate to kind of make the you know made the stay a little bit tolerable. And it was this female robot who was a very beautiful robot. And they told him, you know, you know, this is a, a robot. And he talks to the, um, I believe her name's Alicia, if I remember right. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Alicia, yeah. So he he, he starts talking to her, and she has every every single capability as a human being. She could um, feel pain. She could feel sadness. She could feel hunger, thirst, happiness. Everything that a human, she, she's, for better or worse, a human being, except for her insides, are mechanical. And at first, Corey who is played by Jack Warden just detests this robot because it's not a robot. And, you know, he's, he's still out of his mind for being so lonely there. And, and in the solitude, he eventually comes around to the robot and falls in love with her and little spoiler alert. So stop this. If you, or fast forward, if you haven't seen this episode, cause I'm about to ruin it for everybody, but <laughs> you know, he, he falls in love with this robot and, you know, months or years go by and Mission comes back and tells him that his sentence has been, you know, been looked at that again his or his case has been looked at again and he's been pardoned that he could return home, but that they they must leave within 20 minutes uh, because of they got to dodge some meteors. They might run out of fuel mm -hmm. and they're really close to the weight limit. So he could only bring 15 pounds of luggage with him, mm -hmm. you know, and. He, he thinks that he's bringing the robot, you know, with him at the time. And they said, no, it, it's you plus 15 pounds. So he's kind of, you know, he, he don't know what to do because he's fallen in love with this robot who, you know, he, he's, he's become intimately close with. And he looks at this robot as a woman and he doesn't want to leave her there because she, you know, she feels sadness and everything, you know, and he, wow. he's thinking if he leaves her there she's going to feel the same way that he felt and he she's going to feel that that loneliness that you know mm -hmm. to where you're at you're breaking and she's going to want someone and he doesn't want to do that to her and the the guys that are there to take him back are saying Corey, she's she's just a robot and see they, they don't understand because they didn't they didn't get any time with her so one of the guys shoots her in the the face and you can oh, see oh. all the insides of her, you know, the mechanicals. And then it kind of almost like breaks the spell from Corey. And he's like, oh. oh yeah, this is just a robot. Yeah. I, I need to leave. And it, uh, you know, then it ends after that. So I, I thought it was really, um, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting, especially because of where we're at today with all this artificial intelligence and, yeah the robots and everything. And you hear people, you know, especially in other, they have these, uh, we'll call them lack of intimate robots and everything that they're using. Oh, and it's, it's starting to become, you know, this, this Twilight Zone episode from 1959 is starting to become a reality reality today. And you hear stories of people marrying these robots and um, falling. You know, we had a movie a few years ago where a guy was trying to marry Siri or something like that. You know, that voice technology yeah. from Apple. So, you know, this is starting to become a um, a reality for us. And, you know, I kind of watching the show was putting my, you know, I was trying to put myself into Corey's shoes and how would I react for this? And, you know, I, I would probably act the same way. You know, if this, you know, even though knowing that this is an artificial intelligence, but it's still something that could feel all these emotions that we do. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things, you know, that make us human is that we could feel these emotions. We could, we could feel sadness. We could feel um, mental pain, anguish. We could feel happiness. So when something else could do that, you know, 
you, you got to kind of treat them in like a different way rather than just a, a, a cold robot. If it was just like a computer that doesn't, you know, feel anything. Right. That's right. But I kind of, you know, I put myself in his, his shoes and I said, you know, I, I would probably do the same thing. You know, I, I would, if it was me and I was pardoned and I'm trying to look at this, you know, very objectively and really put myself in his shoes is that I would have to tell them I, I can't leave unless I could bring her with me because for all intents and purposes, she is a human that has these human emotions and I know what it feels like to be lonely. And if I leave her here, she's going to go through the same thing I did. And I don't want to uh, put that off on, on somebody because I know what it feels like. So I, I would have to say, no, I'm going to stay here. What, 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 what is your guys take on this episode here? Cause it, it is a very, you know, it's a very simply made episode, but it is a very deep episode to think yeah. about. Well, I tell you what, Joe, that's, that's actually one of my top 10 favorites. And uh, yeah, you know what? The whole concept behind it of a of a prisoner's uh, you know serving time on an asteroid, I mean that that's just mind blowing right there. And uh, yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic uh, uh, you know a Twilight Zone episode. One of the one of the astronauts, I don't know if you if you recognized him or not, was Ted Knight. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was the one that was getting smart with him, and he didn't have too much compassion, but. Uh, yeah, you know what? I would definitely get attached to the robot. I could picture myself uh, carrying on. Sure, if they said you can't take her. I mean, you know what? We had a Jack Russell dog for 16 years. We got so attached to this dog. We used to sit him up at the up at the Thanksgiving table for dinner. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, but he wasn't a robot. He wasn't a robot. <laughs> yeah, and the dog did not like my brother. He would growl at him. You know, he, he you know what he had. He had, he had very good judgment. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, but you know what? That's, yeah, that's the same thing with, you know, our, our pets, especially dogs. You know, they yeah. could feel emotion. They could feel pain. You know, they could feel loneliness. They could be happy. They could be sad. So we don't like to do anything to make them feel a way that we don't want to be felt. Right. Exactly. exactly. Did you see this episode, Cherry? I'm you? not familiar with it. Okay. I might have seen it once or twice, okay. but I can't really yeah sad. it's it's very sad i mean it's a, it's a yeah. very touching episode especially at at the end when he shoots her in the face and you're like oh my god he shot her but then even as a viewer and it when when they show her face and it's just a robot inside even you know it snaps Corey out of it but even as a viewer it snaps you out of it and it brings you back to going Oh, she's just a robot. She's just a robot, yeah. The other cool thing that I always liked is Rod Serling, how he says robot. He said, this is a ribbit. Because of, <laughs> because of ribbit. A ribbit? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> really neat. What about you, Eddie? Have you seen this one? Um, You know what? To be honest with you, you got me on a mental blank on that because I don't quite remember it, but you're describing Ex Machina, the movie, basically. Yeah, that yeah, same yeah, exactly same concept. Yeah, which, absolutely. Which, which tells you, I guess, that today people just don't have enough to uh, go on, and they keep repeating the past. But uh, you know what, Dojo, I watching Ex Machina, I got kind of attached to the robot there, so I can see myself probably wanting to stay behind as well. Um, yeah, yeah, you really do that, and that's yeah, like you said, that is it is a movie version, it is almost like a movie version of of this Twilight Zone episode. And I'm wondering if it had any type of, um, you know, if whoever made Ex Machina, if they had saw this episode and had an influence uh, on them writing it. I'm sure. I'm sure because it sounds like the exact same thing. And, you know, I think I've seen the episode because I remember the asteroid type of thing, but I probably haven't watched it in such a long time that I'm, I'm probably going to go watch it tonight though. Because yeah, it's, really it's definitely worth watching and it's, it's one to think about, especially, you know, because we talk about robots a lot on here. And uh, some of the ones that we talk about are kind of like those clunky old, you know, robots <laughs> in like Lost in Space and all that. That yeah. are just, you know, they're really, you know, cold and really animatronic. But this one in here and Lonely, she was a, a human being for all intents and purposes, except for the inside. Well, you know, that's also that also gets me to wonder when you say that, Joe, I wonder if that my living doll which was Neely uh, Numar, uh, whatever, uh, you know, Numar from Batman and Robin. The cat right. Julie, yeah, Julie Numar. Julie Numar. Uh -huh. I, I wonder, because I, I, my living doll was a robot, obviously, and, you know, I got to, I guess, from Lost in Space, when they looked human, that was an android, and when it looked like a robot, boxy and clunky, that was a robot. So uh -huh. my question is this. 
I wonder where and, and who inspired what, because my living doll, I believe, was the 1940s. I'm not too sure, but I wonder what was, um, you know, uh, the the Twilight Zone. I know Ex Machina was probably influenced by one of the two, because it, it's, it, you know, you just said the entire story from Ex Machina. Yeah, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, there's a, a few other ones that I, I want to get to here. Um, where is it? I'm looking at my list here. And some of these we'll touch on real quickly because they've been, we've talked about them. They've been talked about before. But one of my absolute favorites is Time Enough at Last. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I, I love that one. With, with Burgess Meredith. I absolutely love that one. And man, did I feel for him when his wife was yelling at him and wrote all over his book i said yeah. oh this poor guy all he wants to do is just sit and read and relax yeah yeah but you know that's that's one of the the best ones and um there was a few, another there was a few that i haven't seen so there was um perchance to a to dream which was uh richard conte and uh susan lloyd this one wasn't too bad it was about a guy who who thought he was gonna die um if he fell asleep Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah, he ended up falling asleep and he died in his dream. And then oh, turned out he was only asleep for a few seconds, but the dream was so much longer. Mm -hmm. um, that was a pretty cool one. Uh, the next one that I, I really enjoyed, which was a really, gosh, this one made me think too. And this is why I love the Twilight Zones because they'll they'll make you think. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and you know, you don't just when you're done with it, you don't just turn it off. You, you're still thinking about it. Huh? Yes, That's you, right. you're right. You're right. So this one, and I know you guys have seen this one. It's called Judgment Night from season one, episode ten. Do you remember is, this one? Is that, is that with Michael Constantine? Like sheriff? No, this is. Uh, oh, he's got the Twilight Zone. <laughs> oh, somebody's got their thing going. <laughs> that sounds like a theremin. No, this is with. Uh, uh, this, I'm going to butcher this this name. Ni he Mia Persoff. And he was a um, he was a Nazi boat captain. Oh, I do remember that. Trying to ring a bell. Yeah, I I, I, I do that. remember that. Yep. All right. So this one originally aired on December fourth, nineteen fifty nine, and I'm going to read the opening narration from here. And I may uh, butcher a few things here, but yeah, that's all right. So, so Rod Serling's opening narration for Judgment Night goes: Her name is the SS Queen of Glasgow. Her registry, British. Gross tonnage, 5,000. Age, intermediate. At this moment, she's one day out of Liverpool. Her destination, New York. Duly recorded on the ship's log is the sailing time, course to destination, weather conditions, temperature, longitude, and latitude. But what is never recorded in a log is the fear that washes over a deck-like fog and ocean spray. Fear like the throbbing strokes of engine pistons, each like a heartbeat, porcelling out every hour into breathless minutes of watching, waiting, and dreading. For the year is 1942, and this particular ship has lost its convoy. It travels alone like an aged blind thing, groping through the unfriendly dark, stalked by unseen periscopes of steel killers. Yes, the Queen of Glasgow is a frightened ship, and she carries with a premonition of death. Yes. yes, I do remember that. And that's an obscure one. You don't What's see that, Chuck? You know what? That's an obscure one, Joe. You don't see it too often. You know, it doesn't pop up too often. It's, you know, what they don't play that hardly ever for some reason. Yeah, I have never, I have never seen this one before. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, it was really good. So the premise of, of this one is this, this guy, he's a, um, Carl Lancer, he is on the um, the deck of this th this boat, this SS Queen of Glasgow, and um, you know I'm going to read because I don't want to mess this up. I, I'm going to read the plot here. This is going to go straight from Wikipedia, so I'm going to read the plot um, a little bit here. Okay. So Carl Lancer is a passenger on the SS Queen of Glasgow, an isolated British cargo liner crossing the Atlantic in 1942 but has no idea of how he got aboard or who he is. Sitting with the captain and several passengers, Lancer dismisses fears of the ship being hunted by 
a U-boat wolf pack, saying only one U-boat would be necessary and it would not bother using a torpedo on the ship. He is unable to explain how he knows any of this and recalls only that he was born in Frankfurt, but says that he finds the ship, its crew, and passengers oddly familiar. When called to the bridge by the captain, he cannot provide proof of his identity. Still confused, Lancer is sent back to his cabin with a steward, where he finds a... Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Krieg's, Krieg's Marine Officer's Cap, which is a Nazi uh, Marine Cap, among his possessions with his name written on the inside. The captain is forced to stop the ship for repairs, when the overworked engines break down at 12.05, Lancer becomes increasingly restless, haunted by an inescapable sense of impending doom. Convinced that everyone aboard the ship will die at 1.15, Lancer panics and runs through the passageways, attempting to raise alarm. He finds the ship is mysteriously empty. When he finally locates some of the passengers, they silently stare at him as he implores them to abandon ship. At exactly 1.15, a searchlight illuminates the ship and a surface U-boat commanded by Captain Lieutenant Carl Lancer opened fires with its deck cannon and machine guns. The ship quickly sinks, leaving no survivors. Sometime later, Captain Lancer is in his cabin aboard his U-boat recording that night's kill. His second-in-command, Lieutenant Moeller, is deeply troubled by what the crew of the boat has done, not warning the people on board the ship before firing upon them, and wonders if we are all, if we are not all damned now. Lancer dismissively says he is sure the British Admiralty thinks so, but Muller clarifies that he meant damned in the eyes of God. Despite Lancer's skepticism and sarcasm, Muller grows more convinced that the crew of the U-boat may one day answer for their crime by reliving the act for all eternity. Granted his own private hell as the man who ordered the massacre, the former U-boat commander rematerializes on the deck of the ship and the nightmare begins again. So what had happened was is he, he is basically living his karma over and over for the, you know, for the, the wrongs that that he did and it would i this i tell you what, this is another one that really made me think of you know our karma in this life and if we do something really bad or is this something you know will we have to relive it over and over to know what these people feel you know feel like or you know what other people felt like so this was another you know deep episode for me and a, you know a very got to be very obscure because i've never seen this one before yeah, go ahead What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know what? That's that's an excellent one, and it does get you thinking. You know, Joe, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Rod Serling was so far ahead of his time, it wasn't even funny. I mean, uh, he, he wrote roughly about 65% of the Twilight Zones. There was a few other writers, Charles Beaumont, and I think there was one or two other ones. But, uh, you know, he was, he was something else, and uh, he died young. He was only 50 years old, so it makes you wonder what else he would have accomplished. I mean, later on, he did come out with... With the night gallery you know what i mean right <clears throat> yeah and he was a uh he was a writer for this episode too so okay. yeah you know it, it's really um gosh this, this was a, another <clears throat> deep episode yeah uh, so i suggest everyone out go out and check this out judgment night it's uh from season one episode 10 is absolutely fantastic absolutely so. what do you think eddie if you do you remember seeing this one um, I did remember seeing down, but it was such a long time ago. Actually, uh, the ones that I always tend to watch when I look up are the one with, you know, uh, with, um, what's his name? Meredith or something like that. The guy from the penguin from Batman that he's the last Burgess Meredith. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite. And then the one that I watch a lot is Nick of time, which is obviously the one yeah. with, um, William Shagner. Yeah, uh, that's. I think it's one of my favorites there. Yeah, we and, like too. That's a good one. Yep. And you know, but most of the time, that particular one, I haven't. It's been a couple of years, and right now, when we were talking about all this yesterday in my storage, I actually found the entire, all one hundred or two hundred or something seasons of the Twilight Zone. Wow. That I've never, I've never even opened out of the Blu-ray uh, pack that it's in. Wow. So I, I think I might actually start watching some of them. Uh, <laughs> this week 
once I yeah. finish, uh, you know, because it is a great thing. Now, I know the Outer Limits and the Twilight Zone are kind of similar. Uh, of course, the Twilight Zones are a lot better than the original Outer Limits. Yeah, but, they are. What's that? Yes, absolutely, they are. The Twilight Zones are much better. Yeah, and one thing I was going to say, you guys the one that uh, the, they try to remake again. There's one particular one where the plane, there's a guy in the plane, and I, and I think the plane is about to crash, and he knows it. He's got to tell the pilot, but they think he's crazy. Right. You know which I'm talking about? The newer one, you made me remember that one, too, which I thought was pretty good. But, um, you know, the, the whole thing is that that particular one that you're talking about, that the guy had so much uh, with the ship there, I vaguely remember it, but I do remember, and it was pretty good. I, I remember it was kind of cool, you know. Uh, this was one of the other one that's favorite. I don't know if any of you have watched it. Is uh, the next stop is Witherby or Willoughby? Oh, oh yeah, that's a great one. Too. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, well, the guy every time he gets on the train, he sees this town called Willoughby, and then at the end, it's the Willoughby funeral home. <laughs> he actually woke oh, up. Oh wow! Yeah, that was really cool. You know, sadly, there was one Twilight Zone that I did not care for, and it really didn't make any sense. And wow, I'm just surprised that there's one that was really bad. It was with Carol Burnett, and um, hmm. uh, uh, where she was. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was like a guardian angel that was watching over her. I can't remember the name of it right now. But if you ever run across that one, it's a really rough one to watch. Uh, so, so there is one or two that aren't too good, and that I'm gonna was try to find, I'm gonna see which one that that yeah. is. I'm gonna look you at know, her. That was Carol a biography. Carol Burnett, I think, just recently turned 98. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she's God up. Yeah, her. she's up there. Yeah. But that was the worst Twilight Zone, and I can't even stand watching it. That's the the one I don't. How like. about that one that I said that's crazy with that woman? She doesn't talk. She's, oh, I kind of like that. Ag Agnes Agnes Moorhead? Agnes Moorhead gets invaded by these little more uh, these little. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That yeah. was good. That's the only one where she where no one ever talked in there. All you did was heard her go. Ah, ah, ah. What? Yeah. What about? <laughs> what about the one that the little kid from Bill Money? Uh, yeah. Lost in space. Oh, Bill Mooney. Yeah. I, I love that. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Where they say. Don't make him angry, you know. Yeah, you're a bad man. A you're very a bad, bad man. man. I like that. <laughs> they were put them in the cornfield. Yeah, yeah. I disliked him for some reason in that particular show. I oh, love yeah. him, Papa, man. You are a very bad man. Oh, that was so uh, so Chuck, that one you're talking about with um Carol Burnett is called Cavender is Coming. That's it. Cavender is coming. Try and watch that, Joe. I don't think you'll be able to watch it. I mean, really? That's the only. I don't remember that one. Who who actually wrote that one? I hope it wasn't Rod Serling. It was Rod Serling. Oh, uh, that was a that was the worst one. He must have had an off night or something. But it, it was season three, episode thirty six, May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty two, huh. and. Reading a little bit, supposedly the episode was an originally broadcast with a laugh track, the only Twilight Zone episode to feature one, because it was uh, um, intended to be a backdoor pilot for a regular comedy series featuring that uh, Cavender character that Carol Burnett plays. Okay, okay. Uh, what was it about? I, I, I can tell you, I, I have never, I, I don't recall, I'm, I'm reading a little bit of the plot and all that, and I don't recall ever seeing this one no yeah. that you, you know that's one you don't see too often either but i don't think you'll like it i don't i don't see what is it about something about a guardian school uh the guy that played the guardian angel was the original maytag repairman he was that oh, heavy set guy yeah. and uh you'll you'll recognize him he did jesse this, white yeah that's him he did different bit parts it's just it just stunk. Did you not like the laugh track? <laughs> I, I didn't like the whole wait, story. wait. Isn't that the one that she supposedly the guardian angel was evil at the end? You know what? I don't think I watched it to the end. <laughs> that's that's one of the very few I couldn't watch. You know, oh, wow. I'm surprised. I think that one reminds me of you guys know that um uh not Jeeper Screw, what's the name? Uh creep show. Where the little guy keeps knocking on the door. He's a Halloween character, and the guy says, "I don't like Halloween. Get away, boy!" Oh, that's monster. Yeah, that's trick or treat. I think trick or treat. I think it reminds me of that. Am I correct in that, Chuck? And saying about that particular one, I don't remember too he much. He has of, to watch it again. Yeah, I, I don't think I could watch that episode. I, 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 <laughs> I well, that's bad, huh? Next yeah. week we oh. must watch it. Let's all that watch. bad. I, I tell you, go ahead, Sherry. 
I was going to say, let's all watch it. We'll okay. compare notes. Yeah, we can try and do it week. for next week. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have to watch that, and we'll talk about it for next week and how bad it is. But I tell you what, this was a good one that I – this was the one I watched last night, the last one so far. And this one was very – gosh, this was very interesting too because at first I, – I tell you what, at first I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of odd. But then this really got me thinking. I mean, this episode really got me thinking. It's called And When the Sky Was Opened. This is season one, episode 11. It aired December 11th, 1959. Are you familiar with this one, Chuck? You know what? If you tell me what it's about, about I'm sure I I am. All right. So let's go with the opening narration here real quick. Um, Her name, X-20. Her type, an experimental interceptor. Recent history, a crash landing in the Mojave Desert after a 31-hour flight 900 miles into space. Incident data, the ship with the men who flew her disappeared from radar screen for 24 hours. But the shrouds that cover mysteries are not always made out of tarpaulin, as this man will soon find out on the other side of a hospital door. Hmm. So what happened with this one is there was an experimental... Uh, United States Air Force plane that went up into space, disappeared for 24 hours, crash landed, uh, and they recovered the two pilots. Hmm. So the one pilot, he's in bed with a broken leg, and the other pilot, he's he's going crazy, and he's, uh, he goes, he I, goes in, you know what I'm talking about, Chuck? Yeah, is that the one with Rod Taylor? Is it Rod Taylor? Yes. Oh, I remember. Yep. Okay, so... He goes, so the one pilot goes in there and he, he's talking to him and he's saying, you know, he's showing him the newspaper where it says, you know, this, this plane crash landed, two Air Force pilots survived. And he keeps telling him there was three of us. Yeah. yeah. And he tells him the, the name of the, uh, the guy, Colonel Ed Harrington, and he's the guy in the bed. So right now you have talking uh, Colonel Clegg Forbes and Major William Grant and Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Colonel Forbes is saying, you don't remember Ed Harrington? He's like, I, I don't know an Ed Harrington. I don't know what you're talking about. There was only two of us that went up on the craft, two of us that came back. So then they flash, there's a flashback to where right after they crash landed, they uh, the one guy's in a, in still in the hospital, and um, uh, Forbes and Harrington are in a bar, kind of you know celebrating that they're still alive and all that. And hmm. all of a sudden, Harrington just doesn't feel he something feels off to him. So he goes to a phone booth. He calls his parents and they say, we, we don't have a son named Harrington. We don't know any Ed Harrington. And he's telling this to, uh, to Forbes and he's kind of playing him off. Next, thing you know, Harrington disappears. He's asking the bartender, where'd my friend go? And he's like, what are you talking about? You only came in here. You came in here by yourself. So he goes back to the hospital and he, he's telling he's telling, you know, Grant this who's you know laying in bed with the broken leg. And he's saying, you know, he disappeared. There was three of us, blah, blah, blah. And Grant's going, no, there was only two, you know, and he, he you know, doesn't believe him and all that. So he goes running out. So Forbes goes running out of the room, screaming again. Hmm. Grant goes to chase after him and he's gone. He asked the nurse, where'd he go? And she goes, who, who are you talking about? And she goes, he goes, Forbes, he just ran out of here screaming. She goes, I, I didn't see anybody. <laughs> Grant goes to look at the paper and it was just him that returned. There was uh, only one guy that went up, one guy that went down. Huh. And then, you know, it goes on a little bit. And then the paper changes again that, there was no craft. There was no astronauts or no anything. They were all basically erased. I tell you what, it was really, it was really strange, but it really got me, you know, thinking what if, uh, what if something like that was, you know, really true and, and has been happening our whole lives, but we would never know about it because to us, it would never exist anymore. And, And like the people in this episode who, you know, they were interacting with this Harrington and they were having a drink with him at the bar. Right. And then all of a sudden they didn't know who he was. They don't remember him. He he never existed. 
So I started thinking, I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> you got to wonder, has this ever happened in our life? Is there something or somebody uh -oh. that I knew that no longer exists that I don't remember or, you know, something Ooh. like that. So I thought it was very interesting. What do you guys think of it? Joe, does Chuck really exist? Do you remember Chuck? I he don't remember what? him. Chuck who? I don't know any Chucks. <laughs> hey, uh, I do know a Sherry, but not a Chuck. Yeah, Sherry. yeah Chuck disappeared. <laughs> did you guys ever watch at the sun I mentioned it before. Did anybody look it up? No, I never seen it. What is it? It's very similar that. to that. That's uh, There's a planet Earth. They find another identical planet Earth that's be the same orbit as Earth, but opposite the sun. So every time we go, we never get to see the planet because there. So they send a spacecraft to land on the planet, which looks identical to Earth. But the whole thing is that that planet is sending the same astronaut to land on Earth. And it looks like it's really bizarre, but it's really wow. good. It's called Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. I'll have to check that out. Roy Thinnis is the actor there. Um, what year was that, Eddie? I think it was uh, It was in color. So it's probably the, like the late 60s. Okay. Um, I actually met Roy Thinnis, and I had him sign a, a French poster, which is about 57 by 67 inch of him. Mm. But, um, you know, it was a very, very good uh, movie. And, in fact, if you look on eBay, you can see they're always selling, but it's called Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. Mm, I think it really was. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. You're going to really enjoy it. If, if, especially, I'm going to tell you right now, that Twilight Zone that you're talking about is a very similar thing to that, Joe. They don't disappear, but it's kind of similar where you never left the Earth. And the guy goes, yes, I took off. I landed in the new planet. And technically what had been, they had interchange. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to throw the plot off, but um, okay. you will like it. Down. So, Chuck, what do you think of that episode? Have you seen it before? That one about, he was talking about the... Um, the and when the sky was opened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that and they got all erased. Yeah, the, yeah the, one by one, they uh, what they were getting, like, uh, yeah, like erased. And I remember Rod Taylor was in there, and that was a good one. I always liked Rod Taylor. He was an exceptional actor. He he was in the uh, Time uh, Machine, I believe, around that. Yeah, from 1960, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was. was great. He was great. I liked he him. He was, he was. That's a good and He show, was huh? even up into uh, Inglorious Bastards in 2000, um, yeah. 2009, yeah. I believe that was, or 10, somewhere around yeah. there. You know what? what? That was yeah, so he's been around for a while. He just passed away uh 2015. Yeah, he was pretty old. He was in the birds too, Hitchcock's The Birds if I'm not oh, was he? Yeah, with Tippy Hedron. Yeah. And uh yeah, he was great. It was but yeah, that was a fantastic episode, Joe. I am familiar with it, definitely. I, I tell you what, it, it was something that really makes you think, and you know, of course, just like them, you would never know if if something had, you know, ceased to exist or never had you know existed but never had existed. And then, um, you know, it was really kind of scary because then you kind of think of, you know, what if, you know, one day, you know, you look at your own mortality and, you know, can this happen to me where I just disappear one day and never existed? But you would, I oh, guess, yeah. never know. <laughs> or if there's some kind of a time slip, you know. Yeah, exactly. Where you just don't remember. We were going to a magic show, remember, about three yeah, years this ago? this was really, really freaky. It, it was really freaky. We went through the Squirrel Hill Tunnels, which is out here on the Parkway in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And neither neither one of us remembered going through it. I, I said, Sherry, do you we remember? We were totally blank. I said, uh, maybe we got, what do they call it, when those aliens get you? Yeah, abducted. Or, abducted uh, or, yeah. Or it, somebody put some bad juju on us. <laughs> I don't know. know. It's so weird. But, yeah, we could not. We didn't remember going through that long tunnel. I I don't remember going through there, Sherry. It was, it was she very said, no. odd. I don't know if we time. were both daydreaming or what. Maybe it was crazy. Oh wow! Twilight Zone. You know, and I forgot there was. I did watch one other episode, and this is probably why I forgot it because it wasn't really memorable. Oh. Um, so the last one I watched was called "What You Need," and it was. Oh, I like that one a lot. That did was you really. Yeah, I like that old man where that mean guy. Oh, was I I love the old man. He was yeah. really nice, but I tell you what, I just. I didn't really care for this one that much. It was yeah. it was okay. Yeah. Um, so it was about this. There was a down and out guy at, at a bar and this old man who comes in and he kind of peddles his wares and all that. And he's able to look at people and 
tell them what they'll need. And it might seem like something, you know, off the wall. Like he gives the one girl a spot remover, um, another guy um, a bus ticket. This one guy gives a, um, a pair of scissors, which he ends up needing because his, as he's in his hotel, his scarf gets caught in the elevator and he needs him to cut or it's going to choke him to death. Yes. So he has the ability to tell people what they need. That's cool. So this this guy that he meets at the bar, he's like a down and out um, person, and you know he's very he's a very evil person. So he tries to use this guy to to hit the the horse races and all that and make money and everything. And um, at at the end of the the show, at the end of the episode, the peddler gives this guy a pair of of shoes that are very slippery on the wet concrete. And as he's going after the peddler to try to kill him, <laughs> uh, he starts slipping and the car hits him and yeah. the peddler survives. What did, what did he say? He goes, that's, that's what I needed. Yeah. He, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I tell you what, it was, I, I don't know, maybe just cause I got off of a few good ones. This one, it was, it was okay for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, Steve Cochran, he played, uh, Fred Renard, which was the, the down and out, uh, right. down and out guy. But I tell you what, Ernest Trucks, he he played uh, Perda, which was the the peddler, and he was he was very good. I mean, oh, he was very. I, good. I tell you what, he was the highlight of the episode because you really felt for this old man. And it's like if he came up to you in a bar or somewhere trying to sell you shoelaces or matches, you're gonna buy something off him. Yeah, he just has that like that loving grandfather look and you're like, Oh, I got to, you know, buy something from him. Oh yeah. I would have bought everything. I, you know what? I come up with a bunch of stuff I don't need. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So, I, but I, and I tell you who else was, was spectacular in that, which I thought was good. And, and gosh, was she absolutely beautiful was the girl in the bar who was played by Arlene Martel. Right. Right. I mean, she was just absolutely beautiful. And just her interaction with the other guy in the bar you knew that they were the old man had kind of set them up that mm-hmm. you know they were going to have a life together after that. Nice. Yeah. I tell you so what, it was really cool. Most uh-huh. most episodes, everybody was good actors slash uh, the actresses. They were really good. I mean, it just it just was a good chemistry. The whole the, the whole yeah. four years or five was years. Jack Klugman in a few. Yeah, Jack Klugman was in yeah, two, like two of them, I believe. Uh-huh. I think uh, I think Burgess Meredith was in three, yeah. three of them, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they were great. Back in the day when they did film, for some reason, I think they picked people a little better than they do today, and they match the character much more. Because any oh, show you definitely era, you know, they do match it. Yeah, I tell you what, it, it's it's fantastic. The uh, I mean, because you had like in this one, the the story was okay, but you had four main players. You had Steve Cochran, Ernest Trucks, Arlene Sachs, and Reed Morgan, and they were just okay. I mean, they played their parts to the T. They were fantastic, and they all had great chemistry together, and they all made you believe yes what they were going through. Absolutely. That's I mean, cool. Like about New Year's Eve, Joe, Sci-Fi Channel plays all oh, Twilight boy. Zones. Oh, my that's goodness. Our... I know. And that's what I was talking about before. You know, when you see these marathons, it's usually the yeah. same rotation of the ones you see all the time. You don't get no, no. um, you don't get any of these obscure ones in no. there. Unless no. they play them in the middle of the night. No. Yeah, at like three in the morning. <laughs> no, see, but you guys got to understand they do that because that's what they, they pick the, the viewer's choice, you know? Right. Yeah, those are the most famous ones, are the ones that get the most views, and that's why they, they want that viewer, those viewer numbers, man. Yep. But yeah, yeah but I tell you what, that it's really cool. And guys, we got about a, a minute and a half here, so I'm gonna start wrapping things up here. I want to thank everybody out there in podcast land from the bottom of my heart, and everybody else's for joining us week after week. We're here for you. Hope hopefully you're enjoying what we're talking about here because we're enjoying it all the time. Uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, please subscribe to our channel. Please give us a good review because it does help them with help us with that whole algorithm thing. Um, so we, we would definitely appreciate that. Also, we are on YouTube, House of the Unusual. Type that in the search. You'll see it pop up. Please subscribe to our channel there. Uh, like the videos. Hit the notice, notification bell. Uh, for any time that a new video comes up because Chuck and Eddie are always putting up some new videos 
that you are guaranteed, guaranteed. I will put my stamp of guarantee on it that you will love those videos. Um, so definitely check that out. Also, we're at houseoftheunusual.com. That is our main home base. That is our flagship site. We have a form there that's free to use. Sign up for it. A lot of cool things going on there. And you could also find links to Etsy, uh, eBay, podcasts, all that good stuff on there. And uh, so definitely give it a shot. You know, please, it definitely helps us out. And we put a lot of work and effort into it. So, guys, that's all I got. So, Chuck, Sherry, Eddie, everybody out there in podcast land, thank you for joining us. And good night. Good Good night. night. God bless everybody. Let's take care. Bye-bye.